Welcome to Teacher Pop, a podcast where teachers discuss pop culture topics and how they can apply to teaching in the classroom. I'm your host, Jordan Billings, a seventh grade social studies teacher who loves being in the classroom and talking about all things pop culture. Let's get into today's topic. All right, everybody, welcome to this amazing episode of Teacher Pop and actually the first episode of Teacher Pop 80s, where we're taking a look at 80s movies. And um, the first one that we're looking at is the amazing movie, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. We, in fact, I wanted to make sure we had this amazing rollout. So we actually have two guests with us today. Um, And I'm going to have each one of them introduce themselves. Jamie, start us off. Hi there, I'm Jamie Halsey. I teach fourth grade in Northern California and I'm a big Star Wars fan and I gamify my class with the Star Wars theme. All right, and then we also have Fabian with us, Fabian. Hi, my name is Fabian Hoffman. I am a seventh grade social studies teacher in San Diego, California and my classroom is gamified also with a Star Wars theme just like Ms. Halsey's and I would say I'm the bigger Star Wars nerd but then the biggest one would you would be you Jordan I would say and if we if we would go like a ranking. I, I love it. So all right well Fabian um Welcome to Teacher Pop, and um, I know that Jamie and I kind of talked about the first episode of Star Wars as an episode for A New Hope, and um, I know that we'd kind of talked, wanted to bring you in, um, and now we're talking about episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. Can you just give us a little bit of a brief summary? All right, brief synopsis. I'll try to be as brief as possible. So we have, we're coming uh, basically straight from uh, 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 New Hope. And there's like a few months, it seems, in between or maybe a year in between uh, our storyline. And uh, the rebels have established a... uh, uh, what would you call it, a, a base on the planet Hoth. And uh, they're trying to uh, gather their resources and try to gain momentum in the rebellion. And uh, our heroes uh, leave Hoth at some point because of an invasion, uh, because Darth Vader is looking for Luke Skywalker and he sends out these probe droids and they seem to have found them on there. Um, and then we travel along with Luke and Leia and Han and they're kind of separating. So Luke is doing his own storyline. He's going to Dagobah. Um, where he's going to meet uh, Master Yoda and he uh, starts his Jedi training and um, we have the others we have Han and Leia who are trying to escape from the clutches of the Empire and in the end everybody kind of like meets up in Cloud City um, and where we have the the crazy scene where uh, Han Solo gets put into Carbonite which sets up the storyline for the next movie and the big reveal of uh, our Empire Strikes Back twist. And I'm not gonna say that because, you know, you don't wanna spoil anything because nobody knows the, what the big twist is. And then it's kind of open-ended, which is great. It's one of the first movies that I saw at least that has an open ending and kind of like leads right into the next movie, which was the Return of the Jedi. All right, that is an amazing summary. That was less than five minutes, right? It was. And okay, I cool. Good you have done before yeah. it in a little bit. <laughs> okay. I, I would say I think I probably do a little bit better of a Chewbacca than I guess I would. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. 
So, um, okay, so um, that kind of, that takes us through kind of the uh, entire, entire thing. And I, I kind of want to break up the movie and then kind of see if we can find some favorite quotes and uh, tie this into mm -hmm. some of the stuff that we do for, for teaching. So let's kind of take the first part of the movie, which is the Empire's um, Search for the Rebellion, um, Hoth, and then the Battle of Hoth. We'll kind of take a look at that. So um, do either of you kind of have like a favorite quote or um, something in that kind of first section that really kind of spoke to you as a teacher. I so think, I, no, oh, go ahead. Miss yeah. Halsey, go well, ahead. I, just, I love how scrappy the Alliance is. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. none of their ships are shiny and new. They're all like basically pieced together with duct tape and, you know, they're dirty and they're, you know, always uh, the underdogs and all of these, the empire is so big but they managed to escape Hoth with basically um, taking these big at-ats down with harpoons and um, what do you call them? Tow cables. Tow cables. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they escaped. I mean, they didn't really win, but they did escape. Um, and I just, I love their spirit. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's this, um, this is also one of the things that I like about um, Star Wars in general is this lived in feeling that you get when you watch the movies. And the, I never really realized it until I saw um, star, the episode four on Blu-ray at a friend's house. He had like this huge setup. He's got, he had like a, a crazy 4K projector and like we were this close, like literally like a feet away from the screen. And I, I was looking at the at the beginning of, of A New Hope and like you see 3PO and R2-D2 and I'm like, R2 is really dirty. Like I never realized that until that point. And that, but that is, has always been like this, this feeling that you get is that this is not a shiny world. This is a world that's been around for thousands and thousands of years and people have used this technology for a long time apparently. And so that's always something that I loved about Star Wars. One of my, one of my, um, favorite things about um, this, the beginning of this is the foreshadowing of the big reveal later on. And, and I like consciously noticed this yesterday. I, I think I always knew it deep down, but uh, when you see Luke in the back to tank after he like is in, in, in the snow, like he's escaping from the Wampa and uh, Han finds him. Um, when they zoom in, when Ir what Irving Krishna does is like he, he shows the back to tank, which is just a tank with with Luke like floating in it, and he has his face mask on. It looks very much like Darth Vader, guys. Like when Darth Vader takes off his mask, it, it looks God. very much right. And then later on, when the big reveal comes, it's like, oh, look at that. So that was, I think, on purpose. Uh, if not, then kudos. If not, that's genius. Yeah, oh, man. That's awesome. I'd never well, really also when he loses his hand and then they repair yeah. it, he's got the mechanical piece in there. So yeah. But you you only really know that if you watch the prequels, right? Because we don't really know like how much of Vader, like the, the move, the 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 originals don't really tell us like how much of Vader is still human other than the head. But yeah, when you when you look at the prequels, like all the limbs that he's losing, and the first thing that he does lose is his hand. And that was a really nice thing that they did in, in the prequels. That it is, it is interesting. So I think you guys have both kind of hit on some interesting things. So like, you know, Jamie, I like how you're kind of talking about the um, spirit of the rebellion that um, I, I think that, you know, we as teachers kind of have that spirit as we're, we're working through stuff as well. We may not necessarily be in the 
shiniest building, shiniest classroom, you know, overflowing budget where, you know, any of these supplies that we want are, are happening yet, you know, it's that spirit that we have as a teacher that makes the magic happen. And that's where you're saying the rebellion is able to survive because they have that spirit and that internal desire to do this. And I think that that teaching spirit that a lot of us have, um, I think that that helps to engage students, create these amazing classroom activities. And, and, and I also, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me is like, if we, if we look at just purely the beginning, um, this out of the box kind of a thinking that we as teachers need to have, um, in order to make stuff engaging. And that was kind of, I saw that when you have like Han, when he's rescuing Luke and he like takes a look at the Tauntaun that just died and then just cuts him open. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna stick you in there because it's really too cold. And, and as a kid, I always was like, why would he put him in there? Because I didn't like make that connection of like, oh, it's probably warm in there. Cause I just never thought about that. But later on, obviously I got a little bit smarter. <laughs> Not much, but a little bit. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, one of the things I the one of the quotes that Han kind of had that I I thought about as a as a teacher is in that command center where he's now come back where he's like, you know, sensors are placed, I'm going back. And he's going in um reporting to the to the general and he's like, sensors are placed, and and he's like, you know, general, I can't stay, you know, I've I've got to get going. He goes, I've got a price on my head, all of all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah. sometimes what I was thinking about that, I almost thought about that from a student perspective is how we have students prioritize different classes and different assignments. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you'll get those kids that um, I know just like me, you guys do things like side missions and um, you have other, you know, quest opportunities and things for students. And sometimes they have to kind of say, well, you know, I've got this other thing that's going right here. And so um, knowing or at least helping students prioritize their work, I think, is another thing that we as teachers are trying to help them do. Yeah. And that's a that's a really hard skill, like a, yeah. a, hard, a hard found skill. Let's put it that way, because I mean, I teach seventh grade and oh boy, like I like this year especially because we are distant it's it's so hard for the kids to figure out like what is important what's not important in assignments and i've had a couple of meetings after school where i was like okay let's just let's just figure this out so what do you got and we just listed everything and we went through everything that they needed to do and they were literally they were like oh they did not realize that there are different levels of priorities that they could have mm -hmm. and yeah, what you're saying is like with Han, like he realizes that this is important and I, I, there is a price on my head and I have to leave, but my friend is out there and I need to go rescue him, right? So that takes priority over everything else. Yes, and yet it's, the, it's that interesting thing that he kind of has that priority shift as, as different things are, are going on. And, you know, nobody really, um, I don't think really penalizes Han for, for kind of picking either, either one of those. And maybe that's kind of one of those teacher tips, which is that, you know, when students are prioritizing things that helping them through that way, like Fabian, I love where you're saying, like, sometimes it's just making a list and yeah. you know, we're going to go through that list and whatnot. And knowing that for students, I teach seventh grade as well, that it is going to be a learning process for them. And they may not necessarily get it 
um, in that way that we were thinking for the first time. I mean, maybe yeah. there were some people that said, Han, like you have this price on your head. Bounty hunters are coming at you from all over the place. And a bounty hunter ended up causing them a lot of trouble in this movie. Maybe yeah. if you would have gone there and maybe if you would have just left a little bit and took care of that, it wouldn't have necessarily been this big problem. But Fabian, that's what you're saying. If he would have prioritized that differently, Luke may not have made it. If he had just yeah. left when he wanted to, Han wouldn't have been there to save Luke. And that creates that whole different thing. And, and that's, it's an interesting thing for us to think about as teachers and, and how we interact with our students and help them prioritize. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, so let's see, do we have anything else on the, on the Battle of Hoth? I think, Jamie, I think you wanted to talk about, we, we had a little bit of a pre-talk early on in the show and we were kind of talking about sort of like who is really leading the rebellion Mm -hmm. and uh jamie i think that you know and we all kind of talked about it who, who, who's really leading the rebellion at this point? well we all know that leia really is the backbone of all of it and yeah. um, and it's funny because i think fabian pointed out when you watch the crawl it's all centered on luke but really the one who's calling the shots at echo base is all princess leia yeah absolutely and it's it's just funny like if you think about um, who who Carrie Fisher was at that point, right? She she made the first movie when she was 19, like which blows my mind. Like every time I think about it, I was like, she's 19. So that makes it, she's gonna be, she's like 21 when they shoot the second one. So you have this really young woman who is leading a rebellion. It's, and that's insane. You have all these older guys experienced like generals, et cetera, that, that work for the rebellion. But it's, it's this young scrappy girl, basically, who is just kicking butt and organizing and making sure everybody knows what they're doing. And like she gives the pep talk before they before they start the, uh, the defense of the of Echo Base and stuff. So it's just like, yeah, why is Luke in the crowd? Like, like, yeah. I didn't want to leave when it was time to evacuate. No, she was ready she to didn't. go down. Yeah. I had to take her out. Yeah. yeah. Like literally parts of the room are falling in and she's like crawling over sections and was like, <laughs> send these troops to this section and protect the fighters, do this. And he finally is like, come on, that's it. Like when finally it's right over, you hear that guy, it's like Imperial troops have entered the base. And he's yeah, like- You, you hear Darth Vader breathing already. Yeah. <laughs> like, like literally they're at the door. You have to get onto the ship. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So, it's just um, she's she's such an amazing character and up right until the end i think in this story arc from like episode four until episode nine when she spoiler she she dies um, <laughs> um but um it's just she's and and i think she's she's really only really one of the first strong female characters that were created during that time and it's amazing that that George Lucas figured that out, like that he like a dude, right, mm -hmm. got got it figured out that women are not just the damsels in distress and like this whole trope that he he played with in the first movie, but that they actually are strong and that they can actually lead and are a force to be reckoned with, no pun intended. Um, yeah, so I, I just to me, she's she's one of the greatest characters ever created. And, you know, right now, when you take a look at a lot of the, you know, shows and things that are happening now, one of the things that has been trying to flip, as you're saying the damsel in the stress, it did just kind of make me think about that standard narrative that you have, that she is a princess, yeah. 
and you yeah. say, you know, so she is a princess. So that means that some prince has got to come and save her and things like that. But if you really take a look at Leia's arc in not only this movie, but um, in the in the next movie as well, um, like she's actually the one that tends to be the rescuer. She's yeah. the one that's like, you know, as opposed to, you know, like the romance that happens between Han and Leia, um, Han really doesn't, save her very much most of the time leia ends up saving him and that's kind of an interesting flip to think about that that's even happening way before um you know a lot of the you know movements and things that we're seeing in pop culture now um yeah. it's interesting to see that root happening in this you know movie in the early 80s well, even even like in in a new hope, like she is the one who who like shoots the 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 uh, the, the covering right for the trash compactor. Mm -hmm. She's like the one, guys. What's going on? We're not going anywhere. Let's let's think a little bit. Let's get out of here, and it's and it's it's already setting this up. This like she she doesn't need help. She would have figured it out, you know, and and, and Han and Luke are just like okay and we she's never shaken in her boots in front of vader either no she, she's like she already like the the first time or first time she meets him like on on uh the what was it the tentative she floor. The dog because she's like yeah. i expected somebody to be holding vader's leash exactly like, smelly like yeah it's like i should have smelled you when you came in right it's like yeah. wow like you don't give a rip at all. Like, yeah. and I played. So let me just tell you this: I I got an Oculus. I would play. I played around with an Oculus Quest that I uh, that a friend of mine uh, gave me to play around with, and I got uh, the game Vader Immortal. And yeah. when Vader comes up to you, and he's like a good like six three, six four, like that is impressive. And I'm six feet. I'm like, I'm like not that small, but she's like five one. Like she does yeah. not is not intimidated. Like that is just so cool. It is awesome and and love seeing those type of characters in in these shows and you know again to kind of bring it back to that you know teacher perspective of um you know really trying to highlight those type of things i know that being a seventh grade uh history teacher i know that i'm always trying to look for um you know powerful women in history to be able to mm -hmm. highlight that um, to students. Uh, I know that I've been developing uh, like trading cards for students where they can get historical allies. And I try to make sure that I, I get as many of those represented uh, in, in my classroom. And, you know, you, you see those powerful female characters and to show that, um, that those are, they're not necessarily like history anomalies. These can be the norm. Yeah. And it depends on how you're able to present them, but showing that in, in our classroom and showing how people, all people can be represented. I think it's an important message that we can convey as teachers. Absolutely. Great. All right. So um, as we've kind of finished up the, uh, the battle of Hoth, we, we have, you know, as, as Fabian saying, we, um, we have two different storylines that that end up happening because where we have the empire that is uh chasing the millennium falcon that's got han and leia and c-3po and chewbacca on it and then you have this other scene with uh luke and r2d2 and they go to dagobah in search of yoda and this comes to him in that vision to where um, he's, he's on Hoth, he, he's attacked, he's injured, and then he, he gets this vision from Obi-Wan 
and saying you go to the Dagobah system and you'll learn from Yoda, the Jedi master who taught me. And this was one of those interesting, I think I told you guys that I was going to drop one of these gender things since we're kind of on the, the subject mm -hmm. in there. What is kind of, it's an interesting thing that as, you know, Luke is landing on Dagobah and he's searching for um, this, this Jedi master, um, at one point he, you know, meets Yoda, but he doesn't know that it's Yoda because he's a little small, you know, green creature that's like three feet or whatever and he's really yeah. kind of paying no mind and you know just kind of leaning into it of like wrecking his camp and like digging through his stuff and like taking yeah. his he's really goofy he's super really goofy. goofy yeah super yeah. Goofy. yeah and then judge me um, by my size do you yeah and then um <laughs> and then all of a sudden as he's doing stuff where he's like you know jedi master yoda you see yoda and luke yeah. instinctively goes you know him how yeah. do you know that Yoda oh, good point. is it him? Yeah. I mean maybe Luke, maybe Luke didn't know that that women could be Jedi. Because all, all he's encountered so far are men, that's, right? That's true. By that time, you know, the um, you know, Shakti and um Ahsoka Tano, um, and then um Master Luminara, all these other ones from the Jedi Council, you're right. They they yeah. have sort of, you know, either been killed because of you know the stuff that happened during the clone wars or um have kind of disappeared so i guess that is you you may be able i, I thought i was going to get you guys on a little something. no but i think i think you're right because we we are so um so programmed to automatically assume that when somebody is powerful or when somebody is like a warrior or whatever that that to be a man like that's just like how our society functions and i guess that's how society works in a galaxy far far away as well where it's like even though like clearly with all the prequels and the clone wars and and rebels etc that's not the case right? right but um at that point those shows did not exist so who knows maybe <laughs> but i think it's a good point yeah. yeah i i didn't even catch that so you know it's a it's, it's a, a thing little tiny thing yeah, little tiny things. So, um, and so as we're kind of on now, Luke on Dagobah, he's now met Yoda and is getting ready to go through his um, Jedi training. And as you know, Yoda's talking to him about you know all of all, all the things they're they're going through. And of course, this is where you get those amazing Yoda quotes, which, which oh my are, gosh, I know yeah. that I, I've yeah. written down, but. I guess before we get into it too much, I kind of want to know from both of you. So Yoda knows that, um, you know, Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, his father, you know, and has obviously been involved in his training, maybe not as much as Obi-Wan, but some. And um, knowing what Luke is going to face mm -hmm. in his training, Yoda never works with Luke on his lightsaber technique mm -hmm. yet when he faces vader that is the primary thing that he does is yeah. this is this a um failing on yoda's part to not properly teach his student what he needs to survive in the in the real world fabian i think we'll start with you and then jamie i want to hear from you okay so I don't know if it's a failing. I think it's it's one of those things. So he he 
I'm pretty sure he knows he has a lightsaber because he tells him to not use a to not use any weapons when he goes into the cave later on, right? Right. Um, so I I think that for Yoda, it's much more important to train him in like the force, like the powers of the force and not necessarily, even though the lightsaber can only be wielded by somebody who is like force sensitive and successfully, uh, my kid is screaming in the background, um, can, can only be successfully wielded by somebody who's, who's using the force, right? But I think for Yoda, it's more about like, you got you got to learn the other stuff first before you like charge into battle. You got to be you got to recognize these powers that you can have and the the fact that the force is around you and how to tap into this, um, so that it's more like an accident that how he stumbles into it. I mean, he had a little bit of training, Luke right. did with with Obi Wan, so he's got the basics. But um, and he knows how to wield it, right? He saves himself from the cave. He like gets the lightsaber, which was one of the things where I was like, so he knows how to grab the lightsaber. Like he he knows how to use the force to get the lightsaber. That was not something that Obi-Wan taught him unless I missed that. And so he's he knows that he's tapped into it. So he knows he has to he has to concentrate to get stuff like that. But I think what Yoda is doing is like setting him up to to be open to all kinds of other stuff. And then he just, Luke just stumbles into it, kind of like what we're trying to do with our students too. When we're setting them off and doing their thing, it's like they're going to stumble into stuff and they're going to learn things on their own without us actually having to teach them. Um, and I think that's what makes Yoda a great teacher, in my opinion, because he knows he, he should probably, but there's other stuff that's more important. Okay. All right, Jamie, because I want to get into that too. Okay, Jamie, what do you think? I think for him, I, I agree with Fabian. I think what Yoda's really trying to do, he's teaching Luke control. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all about controlling like his anger, his fear, um, staying calm in the situation. Especially and the he, anger part, right? Because he, kno yes. he knows what, what happened to Anakin. Father. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and Darth Vader plays a mental game. His mental game, it's almost greater than his physical. I mean, he has a definitely a physical game, obviously, right. but with him, it is a mental game. He, what he wants, he doesn't want to kill Luke, which he could probably easily do because yeah. he's more skilled with a lightsaber, but he wants to bring him over to the dark side. And that's a mental game mm -hmm. to do that. Mm, okay. So I, I, I love what we're, we're talking about as we're kind of dissecting these, because honestly, one of the biggest you know, challenges that we have as, as teachers is that very thing. What do we teach? That's usually, that's yeah. what we start off. I mean, we have, we have standards, benchmarks, objectives. We have all of those, those things. And so, you know, looking at, as you guys have kind of like tapped into a couple of these things, you have, you know, Yoda who's received this student from this, you know, powerful force line, but also knowing that within that powerful force line, there is a lot of temptation to go to the dark side. Mm -hmm. And so instead of the kind of more standardized techniques that he probably taught other folks, he is saying, okay, you know, yeah, you know, this way of teaching is fine. But knowing that, as you're saying, Jamie, that like control is what is most important for this particular student. So we've only, we've honestly kind of almost seen Yoda differentiating instruction based upon the need of the student. Yeah. And, I, 
and I think that you also have, you know, this, this thought of the fact that Yoda survived the, the Clone Wars and he watched the Jedi Empire, the, the Jedi Knights go from peace, you know, peacekeeping folks using violence when it was necessary, but most of the time they were all focused on, you know, keeping the peace. Mm-hmm. And he saw, you know, what can happen to the Jedi when they get pushed into this warrior way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And as you're, as you know, Fabian, as you're saying, probably knowing that Obi-Wan did probably teach him the basics of how a saber works and things and, and, and taking a look and saying that you're right. Like he has that, that will be, you know, that's something that is one of those you are going to learn from a little bit more experience, but also knowing that, and Jamie, I think you hinted on this too, that um, if he would have spent all of his time training Luke with a lightsaber, he ultimately would have lost because in that amount of time that he had, I don't think there's any way that Luke would have been able to really match Vader based on the years of experience, battle-hardened experience that Anakin has. So knowing that, and and that's kind of one of those things that again, as as teachers, we think about. It's that, you know, what to teach them, what these kids, and being able to adjust those uh, tactics and knowing that like, um, you know, for being a, a history person, you know, when we're looking back, you know, 20 plus years and whatever, history is all about really memorizing dates and things like that. And knowing yeah. that that's not necessarily going to help a student understand history. It's just going to have them memorize the dates. But yeah. yet if we can dig a little deeper and we can get into those historical thinking skills, we're going to ultimately build a better student that's going to see all of these other things. And I think you see that from Yoda in his teaching technique with Luke. Absolutely. I think, I think also, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it's just not the surface skill. It's, it's deeper into those, you know, make, I mean, history, it's really about connecting those big, huge events and looking for patterns over time and how, you know, we as societies have dealt with different problems that have arisen and all of that. And so, you know, it's, again, it's not memorizing dates. It's not, you know, answering this, you know, DOK level one question. They really need to use those analytical skills. Yeah. Another thing that stood out to me when uh, when he goes there and uh, Yoda is communicating with with Obi Wan, um, he is like, I, I cannot train him. Like I, I like how how reluctant Yoda is that I cannot train him. He's too old. He's too blah blah. blah. He gives him all these reasons, and then he's just this kick ass, really deep, amazing teacher to him. But what what it reminded me of is like this. Um, when we when we try new things, right? Which Jamie, uh, I did I did send you this message. I don't know if you saw it already. I did because <laughs> Jamie dropped this this big like bomb of knowledge in uh, on Matera's podcast last time she was on. Like, well, there's never a good time to try new things, except always. And yeah. I'm like, damn, that, Jamie, that was yeah. So no, but it's like, but it's like what it showed me was like he's super reluctant right we have so many we have so many teacher friends that are like i don't i don't know i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i can do that i don't know if my kids can do that and this reluctance and then when you do like it just transforms their teaching right it's like 
And you, you never know what you can do until you try it. And so I think, and I think Yoda is one of the most important teachers that Luke has ever had. Right. And he's probably the only one that really matters to him because Obi-Wan was around just for a little bit, but he's the one he communicates later on in, in like the new movie, right. He comes back as a force ghost and they like, they communicate. So he's like that mentor person. And because Yoda decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. What, you know, (laughs) I agree. So I, I do want to get into a, a couple of the, the Yoda quotes that he does while training. And if I'm missing any, let's, we'll go back and hit them. But um, it's, it's that thing where there, you know, he's standing on his, on his hands, he's stacking the rocks and then the X-wing starts sinking into, yeah. you know, the thing. And he's, you know, um, you know, great. Like I'm never going to get it out. And he's like, you know, what have we been teaching? Like, this is like, you're learning this thing. You're lifting these stones and whatever. So now lift your ship out. Yeah. And he's saying like, what are you talking Like, those are completely different. He goes, it isn't different. It's only different up here. You have to yeah. learn what you've learned. And then if you listen to the inflection of Luke, what he does is, cause he says, okay, I'll try. But he doesn't say like, okay, I'll try. He goes, okay, I'll try. Yeah. And that's when Yoda shuts it down and says that, that quote that I'm sure we all have in our head, which is no, do or do not. There is no try. And what he's saying is that from there, Luke has already self-defeated himself. Yeah. And he's already said, well, I'll try it. It's not going to work. That's basically, you feel like that's the next sentence from his mouth. I'll try it. Yeah. It ain't work, but okay. And he's like, no, you need to, you need to do it. Don't give you yourself to commit. Yeah. You're committing to it. You're not just trying it. You are getting in there and you're making it happen. He Plus, talked about yeah. too what you said is unlearning. Yes. And you teach yourself that type of self-defeatist self-talk, right? Yeah. You have to unlearn that in order to move forward. And I think as teachers, we have to help kids unlearn that kind of I can't do it. Or I look at it and it just looks too hard. I don't know how to do that. And you're like, well, let's give it, let's give it a chance. Let's see, maybe you can do this and using that growth mindset idea. Yeah. And it also like, I, um, I use it all the time, like, because I'm a Star Wars nerd, I, I just bust it out like all the time when I, when I talk to students and they tell me like in a private conversation, okay, I'll try it. I'm like, no, you either do it or you don't. That's that's really what it comes down to. And what that does, though, is it it puts the responsibility of what they're doing on them. It's not like I'm there's a possibility I'm going to fail, but and and whatever. But it's more like, OK, now I have the responsibility with this tiny little thing. It's this tiny little shift. Right. The going away from the maybe to either you do it or you don't. That's all. That's all you do. Right. And, and I think it can change the mindset a little bit. And, and I, I notice like when I do that, I notice a change in attitude in students and when they fail, then they fail. Right. But then at least they can move on and, and learn from that situation. And at least they tried it, you know, and, and I'm not using the word try in the right sense, but you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> at least they know, did it. Right. You're right. And you know, it's not exactly when Yoda started his career, I'm assuming um, he did not, start by lifting humongous spaceships it took him a while to be able to do that and there's that interesting part where then um you know luke does try 
and it kind of looks like it's maybe going to happen and then it doesn't and then the whole ship sinks and he's you know that's like i can't it's too big this is when the excuses start to come in i can't do this i don't know how and then uh, you know yoda realizes that like okay he probably needs to see that this is something that's possible and so when yoda you know holds his hand out lifts the entire ship plops it right down and then uh there's another one of these little quotes that he has which is he's looking around and he goes i i don't believe it and that's when yoda says and that is why you failed and that's yeah. it, it goes full circle with so that powerful whole, it is and it's that so powerful of, of, of like well i'll i'll try and and things like that and then it's like he already knew that he was he was in that not growth mindset way it wasn't that jedi path of of getting things to be a success and you know having yoda uh you know show him and dory's like i don't believe it like he didn't even believe that that was something that you could possibly do and that was like well if you don't if you don't believe that something like that is possible no wonder you're not going to be successful and there's another teacher thing that we have there which is to show our kids that they can be successful at these things, which is why we try to, I know, scaffold those things. And again, think about it. That's what Yoda was doing. He's like, you can lift it because he knows that he can lift a rock with his hands. Now he can lift it with the force. And now going, look at all of these other things that could be possible if you're just open to the possibility, if you believe these things can happen. So, yeah. I love Yoda. Yoda. (laughs) <laughs> all right so um do we uh do we have anything else for luke and dagobah before we head to cloud city let me look at my notes um no i think i think that it's in general i think the fact that we care about <laughs> that's just from a filmmaking point of view uh where i'm like the fact that we we put so much um thought and wisdom and and uh, character onto a freaking puppet if i may call yoda a puppet, because that's what he is right it's like it's amazing just from a from a filmmaking point of view like it's amazing what frank oz did who performed him and, and who created this this iconic character yes the design is like somebody else but um he made Yoda what Yoda is, like the movements, the the soul that Yoda has, the the way he speaks, like that is just something that that's incredible. And I think that just goes to show like how how puppets can be so powerful. And 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 I just I I love the Muppets and I love like you know Jim Henson is just one of my heroes. And so that is why I think that we always underestimate like as grownups how powerful these these characters can be but you just got to look at how how popular sesame street has been for 40 50 years right like yeah. the muppet show is coming back and back again and it's always like and it's just puppets but it's a it's characters that that make what it is and that's the same with yoda it's like we talk about yoda like he's a real real thing like a living being but he's you know that's just that always that always fascinates me I love that. So as we're now, so as Luke is training on, on Dagobah, um, we, we have um, this, you know, escape of the Millennium Falcon running from the Imperial forces. Um, and then they end up 
trying to go to um, this place called Bespin, Cloud City, a meeting up with Lando Calrissian, who is a old friend of Han Solo's. And, uh, you know, because the Millennium Falcon has been having technical issues this entire movie. And if yeah. there's another teacher thing that we can pull from that, um, it is that Han Solo is just a master at like, so here we go, click, do, 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 do. <laughs> and he's like, all right, we got to come up with another plan. Let's do yeah. it. I think that as teachers, we just can have that huge appreciation for Han trying to keep doing these things. And yet the Millennium Falcon just doesn't seem to. And with an work. enthusiasm that with is, enthusiasm. is unbroken. He's like, yeah, you'll see what this baby can do. And then punch it, Chewie, and then nothing happens. And he's like, okay, let's try this. And I, I just and love that. And he's always about making repairs like mid-escape, yes. mid-battle. <laughs> like it's not like it breaks down at convenient times. It's always when they're just about to get away and then they have to switch their plans on the fly. Yep. And it's the same for us, right? Bathrooms, right? Yeah. Like you plan this beautiful lesson, you think it's going to go well, you hit the button, right? <laughs> and <laughs> it's like dead. And yeah. you're like, hmm. Time <laughs> and that usually uh, happens when there's an observation, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to channel your inner Han Solo. You're under and fire. And yeah. make it work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's what you're saying, that, that then there's our teacher you know, our, our thought process as teachers, which is that like these, you know, breakdowns and things like that are not necessarily going to happen at the most convenient time for us to be able to fix it. And yeah, sometimes we're going to have to like, you know, hand off the, the piloting to, to the kids to have something else to do, to be like, okay, I'm going to get in the, you know, hand me the hydro spanners because we got to fix, we gotta fix <laughs> yeah. this. We're going to attach ourselves to the back of this uh, Imperial cruiser and cru coast out with the garbage today. Because <laughs> that's, that's, plan on that, but that's how we're going to do it. Yeah. So that's, again, there's your, there's your big Han Solo teacher moment. If Han Solo can piece together the Millennium Falcon as he's being shot at and chased by humongous spaceships and whatever, um, you know, sometimes the, the PowerPoint clicker that doesn't work or the internet that goes down during yep. those times, um, you know, we, we have the, you know, we, we got to be like Han and we got to be able to pivot through. And I think uh, if I can bring another quote into the mix here, yes, I never tell me the odds. Yeah. That's happening right <laughs> in the middle of the, um, where they're trying to escape and they're in the asteroid belt. And it's such a useless, it's such useless information for, yeah. for Han in that moment, right? Like what's, what's the point of that? Like, I don't care. I just need to get out of this thing. And yeah. Just let me do my thing. Like, and it's not about like, okay, 7,320 to one, like who cares? <laughs> well, and I kind of think of that like students sometimes because, you know, oftentimes, you know, when particularly in um, the lower grades, like when you, you know, the kids transition up to the next grade, you know, the former teacher always wants to give you an earful about how it went with them. Yep. And for me, I don't, I don't really want to know that information yet. Like if I need, yeah. I'll call on you and you know, like if I feel like I can't get through the student or there's an issue or whatever, you know, I kind of want to build my own rapport with the student and I kind of want to get to know them without all this background stuff. Yeah. Um, and make my own impressions of them because, um, you know, changes can happen and, and students can grow over, you know, the course of a year. 
And, um, and I kind of sometimes don't want to know that, oh, you know, there was an, I mean, I want to know there's an issue, right. That, so I can help solve it, but yeah. initially I don't want to be bombarded with that information yet. I want to yeah. know. Absolutely. It's like, it's this, it's this, we, uh, at the school that I work at, like one of those, and I've, I've take I took like a break from working at that school I worked there for four years then two years Hawaii and I'm back at the same school and from what I remember is like every time we approached a new year um, the seventh grade team never really wanted to know like any of those like behavior issues or whatever that unless it's like really like big right if it's something like the kids set the the cat on fire or something like that right but Mm -hmm. But other than that, like we wanted to go in and we just wanted to get to know our kids and right. know and 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 yes, if there's IEPs and that's kind of we gotta know this stuff, but anything else, it's like no, because they could be reacting completely different to like me than they reacted to the teachers the year the years prior. Because what you said, Jamie, right? They could have like just grown over the year. And the stuff that they did, they they're constantly reinventing themselves and they're constantly changing. And so it doesn't help me like that information does not help me unless it's like, well, we're, we run out of fuel, right? That's something that Han would have to know, but not like the odds of surviving an asteroid field. You're right. And yes, C-3PO, when he has that thing where he's like, by the way, I noticed that this part of the ship is busted and we can't go to light speed. Right. <laughs> that is something telling us now <laughs> I need to know, but yes, the, the extra things. And even like, even at one point, you know, 3PO kind of ends up with so much of that, that he, he is like, you know, I, like I have had enough and, you know, the empire may be gracious enough. And then at one point they literally have to turn him off (laughs) because all of that information isn't helpful. And it's not like, it's not helping them to get to where they need to go and to be a success. And I think, and I totally agree with both of you. And I'm, I'm very much the same way that like, if there is an issue and whatnot, like the hyperdrive isn't working, yes. I'm, I, if it's something on that level, I do, you know, yes, that's something that I'd like to know so that I have that in the back of my mind as we're building our relationship to give them a chance. And that's what you guys are saying is that like when you go from one grade to another, um, you're right. I mean, there's a and think, you know, for uh, Fabian and I, there's a lot of growth sometimes between sixth grade and seventh grade. And if we don't ever give students the chance to grow and give them a feeling that the slate can be wiped clean and they can have their own chance, if we don't give them that opportunity, we definitely do them a disservice and we do us a disservice because that's what you're saying. If they could be reacting to me in a, in a very different way, you guys both do Star Wars themed classes. I do Marvel themed classrooms. You know that sometimes some of those kids that maybe have those reactions to things, they come in and they love Star Wars. And then all of a sudden, just by having, you know, a, a Yoda in the room or, you know, lightsaber challenges and things like that, even just having that, that's enough, you know, for yeah. me and, and doing, you know, Marvel and things like that. Sometimes, you know, having them do an assignment where they know they can earn a Captain America card or an Iron Man card, like that becomes a big deal to them. And if I was to let other people color my views of that, that relationship may not be as good as it could be if I yeah. didn't have that information. It's yeah, very similar. A connection there that maybe they didn't realize that, that they could have with you. Yeah. 
And it's very similar to, to like, I teach a lot of siblings. Like I, mm. I would have students that the brother, sister I taught. And then a few years later, I get the, the younger one. And I remember when, when I went to school, there were so many times where, where teachers were like, oh, so you're the brother of so-and-so. And just the tone that the teachers would have, it's like, okay, you already have your opinion of me. Yep. And when, when I do that, when I do recognize it, I'm like, I never like comment on how their brother was like, or the, their sister was like, I never like set that up so that there is like, I do recognize, oh, I recognize the last name. Who's your, who's your sister? Who's your brother? I, yeah, I remember that. And, but that's it. I never go like, oh, your sister was so awesome, you know, because it, they're constantly comparing themselves anyways to their siblings. And now you have a teacher who's, who's like clearly so excited to, to get another one of them. And then they're, you're putting so much weight on them already that they're like, I can't live up to like what my brother did. And I don't because... need to be myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And, and it's, it's all of these things is like, is like, I know too much and I shouldn't know all of that stuff as a teacher. I should go and take you at face value. And in seventh grade, especially, I think like every day is a new day. Like you, you have kids that are mad at you for, God knows what kind of reason. And then the next day they love you again. It's like, okay, that's every day is different. Okay. I'll just take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, okay. Do we have anything else? Cause I, I mentioned one character we haven't really talked about yet in empire. And so that would be Mr. Uh, Lando Calrissian. Let's go. Uh, played by Billy B. Williams. And uh, Han, the only one who calls him Han because Han. He right. just doesn't care. He's, he's Billy D. Williams. He is like <laughs> exactly. So, um, and of course, Lando Calrissian is the um, administrator, the head of the uh, Cloud City facility, the leader. And as you know, and, and it's interesting because he's got this Cloud City, and the it's the politics of it are not necessarily flushed out. Not like in Episode One. Yeah. Um, so, um, so Bespin is this cloud city. It's like a mining thing, but they're not in the mining guild. They're kind of like, they're sort of like a part of the empire, but they're not really. So it it totally fits with Lando's personality. And as he, you know, is, is talking about these things about how he's trying to keep this city running and, and all of this, uh, you know, he, he ends up, uh, betraying his friend uh, Han and Leia and the Empire apparent, they apparently knew because of the bounty hunter we talked about that, the bounty hunter yeah. that came back to kind of bite Solo a little bit yeah. um, had found uh, where they were going so the Empire had arrived there and he, at one point he even said, I'm sorry, they arrived here right before you did, like I didn't yeah. really have much of a choice and that one comment of the I don't have a choice, I don't have a choice really kind of leads Lando down this path. And then eventually he's like, well, they keep changing the deal on him. And like they're talking about leaving garrisons there, which is what he didn't want. Um, and then he thought that like they were going to make sure like Han was going to be OK. But then no, he's encased in carbonite and they're shipping him off. Leia and Wookiee were going to then and Chewbacca were going to be safe. No, they change all of that stuff. And then finally Lando ends up saying, okay, enough is enough. We've uh, all of this stuff is changing and things not very good. So he went ahead and he ends up switching sides. Yeah. And, And, and finally taking a side. 
and finally right. taking a side. You're right. What it is, yeah. He took a side because I, I don't, I think he was trying to be in that neutral zone. Yeah. And I think that again, we think about you know those type of things as as teachers of of trying to sort of like you know keep everything as balanced as as we can, but that sometimes eventually you know having having those. I think Fabian, you were kind of talking about it, which is like having those dynamic instructional things that some people are kind of like holding back and saying like, well, but maybe they're like, I don't, I don't want to necessarily give a worksheet, but like, you know, a full on full blown escape room, maybe I'm not there. So you have, you know, Lando, we see as that kind of middle of the way teacher and then picking, you know, which one of those ways to go. And that ends up flushing him out more as a person and as a character. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, it kind of goes along with admin too, right? Because they kind yeah, of yeah. have like, I mean, I don't want to talk smack about admin, but sometimes you know, <laughs> these things on us, right, as teachers, and then you, you know, do the head night. Oh yeah, that's great. And then you just go in your classroom and do like what you think is best for students, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of where you have to be a little bit like Lando, like okay you know to the empire and then uh and then are you comparing your administration to the empire okay (laughs) (laughs) but i I will say that i would i I definitely would would have a lot of respect for the admin who would come in darth vader style with a lightsaber i I don't know would that change my teaching i don't know i probably for a moment moment. But it also like if you if you think about like Lando, first of all, he's like the casting Billy D. Williams in this is amazing because he's he's the first black person in the Star Wars universe, right? At least that we see. Like obviously James Earl Jones, who is Darth Vader, um, is black, but he is the one that we see on camera and who's got a, a pretty big position in like the in as in as the administrator of um, Bespin, right? And so so see but so just from from that point of view it's it's cool that they got him and that they did put they recognize probably they got some flack that oh my god this is the widest movie ever to well we got one black person now you can see him um <laughs> to like what we have now where it's like all kinds of different like you can see like the progression of um how society changed right in, in just the, the casting of those movies but um just his role as an if you if you compare it to an administrator at a school like that is what what the school is doing right they're trying to play like the they're trying to balance out like what is coming from the doe for example what is coming from the county what is coming from this what is coming from that and from the parents and ultimately what you want is you want your administration to to pull a lando and be like when teachers are getting attacked that they're like completely on the side of the teachers. And there's a lot of schools that don't do that. And um, which is really, really sad where they take like the sides of the parents or whatever. And a really good administration, a really good principal does that. They are like, I'll hear you and I'll do everything that I can to defend you. Um, and I, I hear all the complaints from parents maybe, but here's what I know about you. And I'm going to talk to you first before I like, bash you in front of them essentially or or give them what they want and that is that is something that's incredibly important for us as teachers is like to have that support and to have somebody who does switch over 
even though you, you might not think like, oh, I don't know if my administration has my back, but they do make that turn, that positive turn and say, you know what? I'm, I'm on my teacher's side or whatever you're saying, like uh, I'm going to defend them first before I do anything else. Exactly. And, you know, I think this is now the first time that we've really almost had a administrator how to, which is, um, you know, in, in doing that, taking a look at Lando that, that, you know, being, uh, knowing that it is, it's okay to, to be, you know, to create that supportive um, environment for teachers. Yeah knowing that, you know, having teachers feel like they're um, being heard. But then, you know, most of us teachers, again, know that there's administrative things that we don't necessarily know what is going on and knowing that they do have to kind of balance those out. Um, But then, you know, knowing that most of those administrators are, you know, going to do their best to be supportive so that you get to go out there, you know, Han and Leia, and you guys get to go out and, you know, ultimately, you know, crush the empire, you know, engage these kids in student learning and, yeah. and all of that. So. And I think, I think as an audience member watching Star Wars at that moment, you understand why Lando made the choices. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All that mad at him. Like you get it. Yeah. Um, but if you're chewy, you want to rip his face off um and <laughs> because you're in that moment you feel such betrayal right yeah carbonite now so and isn't it interesting how even like towards the end of the movie that scene that we see at the very end um chewy and lando are like they're next to each other man yeah and they are they you know they're gonna work with each other and yeah. you know that ends up really kind of forging that whole friendship along, and and it's interesting to yeah see that you had that initial you know why did this happen, and then you have that you know to where he's like hey there's still a chance to do, you know because he's mad because of Han Solo, and he's like there's still a chance to save Han. We have to go. It's the East platform. Let's go. You know that sometimes administrators do have those plans, and that you know, our emotional bias can get in there, but we need to be able to, if we're wanting the administration to support us, we do have to throw a little bit of support their way too. And to know that yeah. they have their plan and getting behind what they're talking about. Yeah. So, And I think too, like one of the things that um, that's always there is, this is why I love Chewbacca, this is why he's my favorite of all time, is his fierce loyalty to his people, right? Yeah. Once you're in his, in his little circle, he will do anything to protect you you know like like one of the most touching moments is when he finds all of the parts of c-3po yeah Mm -hmm. he's kind of segregated from the group and they're playing the the loud noises and it's driving him crazy but he's got that box of parts c-3po parts and then finally it stops and then he knows he can't do anything so he just starts building c-3po back and it's such a touching moment because he will, you know, he will do anything for his people. He could have just left him. Yeah. Right. He could have. He could have, like, exactly. And yeah. here, I think you've hit on something there that's kind of important too, that like you have those, you know, you teachers that have that fierce loyalty and sometimes, yeah, with all this background stuff and whatever, there may not be these things that we can do to fix it, but yet what we can do is we can build each other up. We can support we each can, other. Exactly. We can support yeah. each other and we can, we can fix what we can in the room with the parts that we have. Yeah. So. Totally. Oh, all right. Well, I think that that is probably like the best uh, thought to, to end on for this episode. 
And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we will be ready here in the next couple of weeks to dive into episode six, which is Return of the Jedi. So um, I'm game. Like if you have me back, I'm, I'm right there. I have my oh, lightsaber and everything. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, yes, I know. I definitely want you guys back for that. So Jamie, Fabian, thank you guys uh, so much for uh, coming on and talking about Empire and look forward to having you guys both back for uh, Return of the Jedi. And thank you guys out there for um, listening, engaging, uh, keeping your classrooms awesome. So uh, this has been a great episode of Teacher Pop. Thanks for listening and take care.